0: Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode, your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? Good evening, Clint Russell here, Liberty Lockdown Thank you guys so much for tuning in as always um, Tonight I'm going to do something I haven't done before And that is talk a little bit about fatherhood And you might be saying, Clint, you don't have kids Why the hell would you be talking about fatherhood? Well, Because I think it's probably the most important thing in my life Despite the fact that I am not one and that's not to downplay the, uh, the value and the role uh, of my mom, but um, I think what inspired me to, to take on this, this issue is that I've seen a real lack of direction amongst the young men that I know of, and I don't know many, so, uh, you know, this is anecdotal, I guess, but I think it is a broader trend based off of some statistics that I have seen in terms of lack of employment, lack of, uh, creating families, lack of getting married. I maybe I'm, I'm a product of it to a certain extent. Uh, but there's a real rudderless aspect to the young men in America. And this is kind of a global phenomenon too, if I'm being honest, but I, I'm only going to speak to the American phenomenon because I think it's what I can speak to best, so let me start by giving you guys some backstory as to my childhood and why I think it's so important. Um, well, first off the, the reason I was inspired to take this topic on is because of the Andrew Tate news that's been in the cycle so often as of late, for those that don't know, he's this British MMA fighter guy who's, uh, who's garnered a tremendous following based off of him giving advice on masculinity and unfortunately the backdrop to his story is that he made his fortune by essentially pimping. <laughs> not for sex necessarily, but for uh, webcam business. And I think there's something obviously uh, performatively wrong with a man advising on masculinity who made his fortune by behaving in what I think is uh, not an honorable fashion. And I think that honor has a huge role to play in healthy masculinity. So let's get into the backdrop as to my childhood. Um, my mother and father got divorced when I was two. Uh, I still had my biological dad in my life, but he was, uh, out. He was an entrepreneur. He was running a, a nightclub. So I would only see him one weekend a month. So not a lot. Um, but we had a good relationship and he was very you know caring and he loved me. And I think that that was obviously a, a huge factor in. Being who we becoming, who I am today, um, I think that I'm really fortunate though because I have two loving male influences in my life. I'm not going to get choked up. Um, my stepdad, Charlie, he also um, he married my mom when I was about five years old. He always tells the story about how I had this speech impediment; I couldn't say my R's, so I sounded like I was from Boston. Uh, but he taught me how to, you know, play catch and how to ride a bike and uh, just, you know, normal fatherhood stuff, coach my sports teams, things like that. Uh, between those two, the business acumen that came from my dad, my biological dad, and uh, then the sports, the camaraderie, the humor, the other things that uh, that came from Charlie. He was also a businessman, so I got some of that from him too. But between the two, hell of a well-rounded male advisory uh, team and I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed. I think that's why it hurts me so much to see, (laughs) I don't know why I'm getting choked up. It hurts me to see so many young men that didn't have that. Damn it. I don't know why I'm getting choked up. I really don't. I didn't think I would at all. Um, but just the fact that, that, you know, young men by the millions are turning to Andrew Tate for advice. <laughs> A guy who, you know, man, can he talk? He can talk. But can he walk it? And I'm not so sure. And Jordan Peterson's the other you know, side of that coin in that he was very um, he just galvanized, uh, an immense crowd of young, young men in particular. And I just think that both of these phenomenons are, are microcosms of the bigger market demand or need that there is very, unfortunately, very few men. It seems that are giving the proper guidance to their children and, uh, to young boys in particular, that is devastating. And I am so, so fortunate that I didn't have to deal with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought I would go through and kind of recap what I think is healthy masculinity, the advice that I received as a young, young boy um, that made me who I am. And as I said, I'm not going to talk about my mom's influence, even though it was very positive. Um, just because I think that I want to really emphasize the role that father fathers play in particular. So, I mean, first and foremost, they both imbued in me a a really deep sense of protection of being a protector that uh, particularly Charlie, my stepdad, he's from New York. So he's got that, you know, tough street aspect to him. Um, And I have always, because of that, I have always had a, an approach to my significant others and to my friend group and to, you know, just women I knew that I would, I would fight for them. And that's not to say that fighting is a good thing. It's oftentimes not a good thing. It's, uh, but it's just like with libertarianism, it's like non-aggression. If, if someone is aggressing upon someone else, you have every right to intervene on their behalf. And, and I've done that a few times. Um, I was going to say, I'm not proud of it, but I guess I kind of am. (laughs) I did it. I did it for the right reasons. Uh, I I wish that I could have avoided it. I wish that it hadn't transpired. It's not, it's not anything I'm proud of in that regard. I I don't like bringing violence to bear on other human beings, uh, particularly in hindsight, it, it's not, it's not a good thing. Um, but sometimes it's necessary in life. And I think that that's something that at its core really makes me feel as if, you know, it, it it adds to the, the, the male, the healthy masculine purpose in society. Like we are defenders. We are here to defend those that can't defend themselves. And if you're a young man who feels as if they can't defend themselves, then you are, you are already lacking part of what it, what, in my opinion, takes to be the most well-rounded adult male version of yourself is that you don't have to be like a trained fighter necessarily, but just, just capable, just strong enough, capable enough and willing (laughs) to intervene, to intervene on, on behalf of, you know, women in particular, and uh, maybe I'll get some people upset with me for saying that, but men are naturally stronger. It's true. So uh, I think it's important that first and foremost, you, you imbue that in your young sons, that they are, they are not just here as perfe- perpetual victims, but rather there to, to assist, to defend, to protect and tacked with courage and self-sacrifice. And I think that those are two lessons that were really important for me growing up is that I was told, you know, very early that you need to defend your mother. And if you have to risk yourself in that process, then you do so. And I have, I have carried that forward with every woman I've dated in my life. And all, all of my friends that are girls too, when we're out and at the bars or whatever, it's like, I will defend their honor. And I think that that's an important thing. And I think it's something that women, contrary to the feminist, uh, lecturing that they don't need a man to defend them. Women find it quite appealing (laughs) and, and with good reason. Why would you want to be with a man that is unwilling or un- incapable of defending you? That's a big part of being a, a valuable partner to the woman in your life. So having that was a big portion of it, but I think there was another aspect of their guidance that was invaluable to me as I developed, and that is delayed gratification and hard work and a work ethic that I was not given much as a child very little in fact contrary to popular belief as i sit here with a nice view behind me i was given very very little um you know no i don't i don't think i got an allowance i don't think i got i got maybe one new pair of shoes per year you know like maybe that's maybe that's that's a privilege to get one new new pair of shoes per year but i don't feel like i was getting given very much as a kid and Well, in, you know, in the moment I may have resented it as some of my friends were, uh, you know, (laughs) showered with more gifts and things like that. I, in hindsight, am so, so grateful that I was not just given everything I wanted, that I was given opportunities though. I was given guidance on how I could get ahead and acquire the things that I wanted to have, that I valued. And I remember vividly uh, my dad, the one that ran the nightclub, when I would go out and I would uh, I would see him just that one weekend a month, and he was running this, this nightclub, uh, it was a fine dining restaurant and a nightclub, and he would have me fold napkins into these like, uh, what are they called, swans. <laughs> I would fold hundreds of them at five cents a piece. So it would take a long time to make any money, but you know, as a six and seven year old, it was still more money than I could have gotten any other way. So child labor, it's good. Um, no, but seriously, I, I think that, you know, making five or 10 bucks as a seven year old back then, you know, that'd be like 30 bucks today because <laughs> inflation so messed up, but doing that and, and realizing very early on that like, okay, I can actually produce wealth in life. I know 30, 10 bucks doesn't sound like wealth, but for a five or six year old, it feels like it. It felt like it to me. And the reason I was doing that is because I wanted a game boy. I'm aging myself here, but that's what I wanted. I wanted a game boy desperately. And they were like, I think they were 250 bucks. They were very expensive. (laughs) Like even back then they were super expensive. And I worked for a couple months and I saved up and I finally got enough for it. And I think this is partially just, uh, nature as opposed to nurture. But once I had put all of that effort into acquiring that amount of money, I decided I didn't want to spend it on it. And I think that that was a really important formulation to who I became as an adult is that delayed gratification and realizing that, that earning a dollar is tremendously challenging. It really is. Especially if you've never gone the entrepreneurial path, my God, is it hard. It is so hard and I've now done it twice and you know, I've been quote unquote successful both times, but it is a struggle, man. The first couple of years in particular are brutal. You make nothing and you give your all, but it's so gratifying in terms of expending your energy in a, in a path of passion and drive and focus that it, even without the money, it still feels good in the process. At least it does for me. I don't know if it's for everybody, but. For those that it is it's there's nothing that speaks to my soul like working for myself and and striving towards a goal that seems almost unreachable i think it's part of like why i'm put on earth at least it feels to me like i am when i'm doing that when i'm in that mold when i'm in that zone i am on a path that feels like godliness Not to overstate it or make it (laughs) sound as if I'm being egotistical, but it, it just, it, it feels as if I'm on, I'm headed towards like where I'm supposed to be going. If that makes sense. Where am I going with this? Um, so anyways, yeah. So I, I have this couple hundred bucks and I'm prepared to buy a game boy and I don't. And then for my birthday, of course, because my parents are so proud of me that I saved that money and I didn't spend it, they end up buying me one. So yes, I did get some gifts here and there. Uh, but that lesson was really special and, and important and, and to have it happen at such a young age, it became in- incredibly valuable. So that's, that's something that I would like to see imbued in our young people more is that, you know, delaying gratification to, to working towards something that is, uh, you know, a loftier goal as opposed to immediate satisfaction of your very temporary desires and urges. That is something that I have always had, and it has it has been incalculably invaluable to me. Um, just to give you an idea, because I ran a mortgage company, every time I saved up $10,000, I could invest that into trustees and make approximately $100 a month in passive income and when you're a kid, cause I was able to do that before I turned 20. That's a, a ma- mountain of money. It feels like for doing quote unquote, nothing. And in truth, you're doing a lot. You have to save and be prudent and delay gratification. But because I did that, I started to have these passive revenue streams. And by the time I was in my twenties and I started to get, have, you know, real income, I was able to do that very aggressively and to do, you know, maybe 10,000 a year early and then up it to 50, up to a hundred thousand dollars a year or more. Um, when I was at the peak of my career as a mortgage lender. And because of that, the passive revenue stream became very, very significant so much so that I was at one point making more from passive income than I was from my actual job, just incredible power. And, and I could go into more of the reasons why that happens, but it's ultimately just compounding interest. And, and that is only possible if you are capable at looking at your temporary desire and saying, I don't need that, I can wait. And I drove, even though I was making a crazy income, I still drove the same car for over a decade that was like a $20,000 car, nothing special. And I just delayed gratification all the time. I was a millionaire and I was still driving this car that's, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was nothing special, certainly people that at my income level and my savings level would have been driving something much nicer, which I am now. Um, but because I waited very long to, to finally, uh, jump into the deep end of the car market. But I think that that's such an, an important aspect of the parenting that I, I received from both of my fathers that, you know, my dad was like very, very fiscally conservative because he was also, um, you know, a money manager like myself and, That's just kind of a prerequisite to be that, but then my stepdad, Charlie, he was also, even though he was like, he was an entrepreneur and he was able to save and he did investments and he did very well for himself too. He really drove home more of a aspect of like, we only have today guaranteed and I think that it's very important to have that balance like had i only had one or the other father i think i would have been led astray but because i had both i was in a tremendously beneficial position in that i was being i was being advised that if you delay gratification clint your life will be immeasurably better 5 10 20 years from now and then i had the other that was saying clint if you don't ever enjoy anything between now and when you're 50 You're going to be a miserable SOB. And he was right. They were both right. And I think because I had both of those influences, I was given an incredibly well-rounded backdrop by which I was able to develop as a human being. And that's asking a lot. It's asking a lot to think that any one person could provide both those roles because they are kind of disparate. They are kind of separated from one another, but between the two of them, my goodness, very, very special. And because of that, I, I think I have found a pretty good balance of living for the now, but always with goals that will only pay off if I strive towards them and I stay committed for a extended period of time. And I do not mean weeks or months, I mean decades. And that is what I have done. And that has been, that balance is special i'm not saying i'm special i'm saying that balance is special if you can achieve that if you can live for tomorrow while also living for today it sounds almost oxymoronic as if it's impossible and i, and I still struggle with it of course it's it's always a challenge um but i think that that balance is really like that's what we're trying to target right like we want to have as good a tomorrow as possible but you don't want to have a miserable today because if the if today is so miserable You'll probably get derailed and you'll never get to tomorrow. Makes sense. I promise you, I'm not going down the Tate route. I'm not going to do this all the time and I'm not going to try and become some male influencer. That's not at all what I'm trying to do here. Um, but what I saw in the, the lack of guide, guidance amongst young men in this country has been disturbing. Like I felt compelled to speak on it. To be honest, I I'm very concerned. And very often when young men are purposeless and lack any sort of drive or motivation or guidance, they'll lash out. They'll become either suicidal or homicidal and sometimes very little in between. And both of those paths are tragic, just to make it very clear. If you, if you get to a point of such desperation that you consider doing, you know. grievous harm, either to yourself or to others, uh, something is terribly wrong. And I think that unfortunately we are on a trajectory where we may see more and more of that and based off of the statistics I've seen in terms of drug usage, drug overdosage, uh, we are on that path and it doesn't look good. So I wanted to reach out to my young male audience and say, uh, you can get through this and you can. You can do what seems, I mean, I don't think anything that I've said so far has been incredibly novel by any stretch, but I just wanted you to know it's possible that, okay, don't get choked up, that you can get through this. You just can And it, it may seem, it may seem impossible in the moment, but if you can just give it till tomorrow, And then ask yourself that same question again, can I get through today? You can, you always can. And if you do that for enough days in a row, you will get through the worst periods of your life. And I've had them despite having an incredible blessing of an upbringing with three parents who love me deeply. I still had moments in life where I was complete, in complete despair. Loss of, you know, not death loss, but just, you know the ending of significant relationships in my life that were heartbreaking and heart wrenching and that I felt as if I would never get off the mat and like truly <laughs> like did not think I could survive it. And, and I did every single time. And it, all it took was allowing, you know, the whole, <laughs> the whole, the common phrasing of, uh, time heals all wounds. It truly does. And if you, if you can just stay focused on, on the goals and, and a belief in yourself, even in your darkest moment, it can get you through the darkest times. And I think that that's been the one thing that I have, I have really been blessed with is that even in my darkest moments, I have always felt as if I would get through, and I don't know if that's necessarily parenting or, or how I was built (laughs) genetically, um, or if that's just human nature, unless it gets ripped out of us by terrible parenting. That's certainly a possibility, Uh, but I, I want to encourage everyone listening right now to feel that way, to know that you can get through, that you will. I don't know why this is an emotional episode for me. I think it's, I think it's because I've been kind of overwhelmed. I've been overwhelmed with the weight of everything. just we live in daunting times we truly do and it's tough to look at it constantly to understand you know the the weight of the the moment we're in the era to know that it's so i mean the odds are so stacked against us they really are i mean we are up against the biggest state in human history and it is corrupt to its core and I think that that's, that's the only reason I can keep going is that there is no option. We have We have no choice but to go through this. And thank God I have that resolve because I don't know how I could do this if I didn't. And I hope you guys do too. I'm doing my best to imbue it in you because I need you guys. I need you guys in this with me. And I think... I think we will get through. And I think that, as I said on the RFK episode at the end, the, through the long arc of human history, Liberty and those that pursue it will prevail. And I think that it's going to come down to our character more than anything else. Do we have a commitment, a drive, a belief in ourselves that is superior to our opponents? And I can say definitively that I do. Can you say the same? I sure hope so. I'm going to do everything in my power to fire you the fuck up and make you feel as if you can do that, That you can run through a goddamn mountain, not over it through a mountain because that's how I feel. Even when I'm in my darkest moments and I have been in dark moments historically, but just over the past couple of weeks, I have been in a very dark period. Just feeling as if this is like. This is so heavy. <laughs> you know, it's so heavy. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the corruption amongst our political elite, and I guess I'll go ahead and talk about this briefly. But, you know, Donald Trump has been indicted. <laughs> God knows how many times. I think it's three or four times. But on so many charges, it's like, uh, you know, he if he was convicted on everything, he'd go to jail for is long longer than America's been around. <laughs> it's totally nuts. And simultaneously. I'm following the case very closely of Devin Archer and Burisma and uh, I mean, Hunter and Joe and just the whole Rosemont Seneca, the whole everything I'm just following everything. And, and you can see it's so clear that there is, there is genuinely nothing. I believe this. There is genuinely nothing that Joe Biden could or did do that he would be indicted for at this period in time. And there is also simultaneously nothing that Donald Trump could not be indicted for doing. And you could say, oh, well, that's just because the Democrats are in power. Yeah, maybe. I think, personally, that it is as good evidence as anything that there is not to be outsiders allowed in our political system moving forward. And contrary to many assertions from uh, other people, I believe personally, based off of empirical evidence that Donald Trump was indeed an outsider. Unfortunately, he wasn't the outsider that I wished and hoped he could be in terms of draining the swamp and everything else. But I don't think he was, he was willing to play ball with them on all fronts. And we are in such late stage empire decline or collapse that they can accept no dissidents, no dissident whatsoever. And he was that. Just enough of a non-yes man that they were like, we're going to ruin you. We will ruin you. And I personally do not think so much that it is about Donald Trump at this point as it is sending a signal to you and I and everybody else in America, if not the world over, that there will be no outsiders moving forward. And if you think otherwise, you can have a jail cell too. Right next to... Orange Jesus, if you like it. And that is scary as hell. That is scary as hell that we have a federal government that is acting in such a disparate fashion based off of charges, which could just as easily, if not more readily, be applied to Joseph R. Biden. He is literally, in my opinion, literally guilty of every single thing Donald Trump is being charged with. It's crazy. It is the, as James Lindsay famously dubs it, the iron law of woke projection. Whatever they are doing, they will accuse their opponents of, and in this case, they have opted to prosecute them for their very own crimes. That's wild to me. It's And I, and I don't believe I'm wrong. If I, I wouldn't say it. I, and in fact, I don't say anything I don't believe, if you haven't been able to catch that yet. I believe every single word I say. And I actually had someone uh, you know, yesterday call me a grifter, which is hysterical to me because, one, I gave up a very lucrative career to do this, making almost no money. But two, grifting implies I'm saying something I don't believe, and I have literally never done that in my life. I just don't do it. I don't know how to do it. I think if I have autism, my my specific variant on the spectrum of autism is an inability to not say what I believe. It has gotten me in trouble countless times. I speak my mind and I love people who do too. So not grifting and I'm not, I'm not trying to deceive or, or, uh, you know, extract any money from you guys that you don't feel as if I am earning. I think that I am ultimately, I do ask for support when I say libertylockdown.locals.com or if you want to subscribe to my Twitter. By the way, I got to mention real quick, uh, I just got approved for Twitter subscriptions. Bunch of you, dozens and dozens have already uh, signed up to support me. It's five bucks a month. The reason I'm bringing it up is because if you want to support me, Elon Musk has said for the next 12 months, everybody who, uh, any dollar that goes into that, I get all of it. That is the best way to be able to support the show. So... Even if you're not a big Twitter fan, if you just love this show, I would greatly appreciate it if you would uh, sign up to Twitter and subscribe. It's just like a Stripe payment, so I'm able to get... It's five bucks a month, by the way. Not a lot of money, but if I get hundreds of people that do it, well, that becomes something that helps. So, appreciate you guys if you want to do that. Uh, Also, TopLobster.com or MerchEngine.com, I'm not sure which, but as you can see, I got this... uh, Los Angeles Lakers style Liberty lockdown shirt brand new just came in and they are actually stitched it's very it's very nice um but anyways I'll uh I guess I'll, I'll get out of here on this well first off uh let me say Jose Gallison is on Timcast IRL right now and uh Reed Coverdale will be on I think on Friday and then I'm on on like Tuesday of next week so don't miss that um but yeah I I think I'll I'll get out of here on this. I, I just wanted to encourage you guys. And I know, I know many of you are already, you know, cut from the same cloth as me. So I hope you don't take this as me talking down to any of you. Cause I, I don't intend it as such. I, I did want to reach out to those that may feel, you know, young and uh, without guidance because I, it's just so crystal clear to me that there is a terrible market need for that, for genuine loving, this sounds gay, male, male guidance. Um, And maybe that's, maybe that's why it's because we've become so homophobic that we're just like, I can't be a loving older male influence to someone who needs guidance. And that's, that's a stupid, that's a toxic masculine worldview. And I don't say that very often, but it really is like, it's a beautiful thing to want to guide the next generation. And maybe I've felt afraid to do so. Because I'm not a father, but I do feel as if I have enough of the the traits that would be beneficial to young men that I I, I would feel stupid not to try and convey them to you guys. That I I care. If no one else does, I do three cries in <laughs> a single episode? What's wrong with me? Um, you know, I, I've also lost some friends to, you know, drug addiction and things like that. And maybe that's, maybe the wounds are still there. And maybe I, you know, I wish I could have helped them. So, man, this is stunningly heavier than I expected. I thought I was just going to tell you guys about how great my childhood was and and hope that it inspired you. And I did not expect to get derailed into such an outpouring of emotion. (laughs) Wild. But yeah, I care. And I love you guys. And I'm so proud of you guys. That in the face of all of this, you continue to strive. That there's so much hatred for young men in America. And you guys still are pushing. And that's awesome. And it's vitally necessary. (laughs) If you want to see a fucking country, just absolutely implode. Allow the young men to become just desperate, monstrous human beings. And I feel like our overlords want that. And whether they want it or not, they're pushing us towards it and it's fucking evil. From the decline of, you know, testosterone levels to the lack of creating families to lack of childbirth and every step of the way, the entire Malthusian fucking eugenics cult. This is why I'm so filled with rage all the time, I think, because it just makes me so furious to, to, to single out any group of people. But to do it to half of your population is just is just sick. Absolutely sick. Jesus Christ, I can't believe I cried three times. Oh, I hope you stuck it out with me. I really do. And I hope you won't hold it against me. i you know, I, I speak from the heart and I really deeply care about this community, and I'm so, so grateful that you're still with us and you're still with me and that you're still fucking pushing man it's awesome it's fucking awesome and it's so easy to give up and i want to give up sometimes and i just i just can't live with myself if i do and for those of you that are are in that position where you're like man i would just lo- i would love to just fucking shut off the tv and give up on all of this i totally get that instinct and certainly when you need breaks take your breaks But as soon as you fucking recharge that battery, get back after it in a way that you have never done it before and just fucking punish the people that are doing this to us. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. All right. And I'll get out of here on this. This is where I wanted to go with it. Is that I know so many of you are exactly the fathers that I'm talking about right now. And I I just want to say thank you so much for being there for your children. And to imbue these lessons in them to allow them to pass that on to their progeny, it's going to, it's going to revolutionize the world in a way that like it's incalculable and it's so important and it's, it's, in my opinion, it's the most important a man has on earth is to, is to give proper guidance to their, to their offspring. Obviously their sons and daughters and. I just don't think there's anything more important than that. And I'm so blessed to have two good influences in that regard and really three. Shout out to my mom. All right. God, I got to (laughs) stop. Stop crying. I'm gonna get out of here. Um, thank you guys so much as always. You want to support my work? Go to Twitter. Go to X. <laughs> Shit, it's X now? Go to x.com and uh, sign up. If you do it through the uh, the web browser, like on your on your PC, it's only a three percent fee. If you do it through Apple, they these bastards take like twenty or thirty percent. So if you do it through your PC, I'll get the full five bucks a month. It's not a lot of money, but it would really help uh, to keep this show a rolling. And uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed this Cry Fest. God damn it. <laughs> so. I don't even know if I want to put it out. I'm gonna do it because I still feel like there's value in the message. But fuck, I don't like grind that much. It's really, it's pretty weak. (laughs) All right, love you guys. See you soon. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from? And where did it go?